on this episode drinking way too much fosters mm. that's the extent of my australian knowledge <laughs> that's the extent well so, actually due to jewish geosynchronicity their toilets go backwards that's actually due to the rotation of the earth fuck you mark <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of No Country for Old Mark and Juan. I am your host, Mark Pearson, and this is my co-host, Juan Carlos Calderon Morales Smith. Still. Still. (laughs) Is that his real name? (laughs) Yeah, it's his real name. Uh, Joining us today, we have a special guest again with Adam Ratliff. Uh, We had such a great time, we had to ask him to come back on on one of our more topical episodes here. We have something special for you guys today. Uh, real quick before we get into the show, please look us up. Reach out to us on facebook.com slash no country podcast uh, on Instagram at no underscore country underscore podcast on Twitter at podcast underscore country. Or you can email us at no country podcast at gmail.com or you can leave us a voicemail at three, four, six, two, nine, one, zero, zero, five, zero. So, thank you everybody for joining us today, and thank you for joining us again, Adam. Hey, anytime, yeah, guys. Thanks, Adam. Anytime. Yeah, we. I, I had such a good time last time, and it was actually really fun, really funny to be able to just talk with you and learn more about you, and you know, find yeah, out. Yeah, we about, talked uh, quite a bit after, even. Yeah, so, for like yeah. another hour. Actually, when we got done recording, and Adam left, Jazz was like. It's about time I'm starving. <laughs> oh, is that your, your girlfriend? Yeah. Like, just throw her two almonds out the door. She'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And then she got yeah. mad because we went and got in and out and she like ate part of her burger and exactly. like, two fries and was what? like, I'm full. Finish my food. You gave me two almonds. I only needed one. Yeah. <laughs> so is that new in and out that's close to your place? Yeah. Oh. It's, oh, I love it. So Wait a minute. Me. You got an in and out right? Oh, fuck it. I'm moving. <laughs> <laughs> that was the selling point. This. Not yep. the feral dogs running up and down the street in the, the night of the living dead. It was the in and outs yeah. got you out here. Fuck. Yeah. All right. Yeah, one. Yeah. Guy likes animal style. I get it. We get it. We have it all. You really do, you assholes. Yeah. <laughs> Every time, I mean, like a couple times this winter, it's been real cold. Yeah. And it was like 72 there when I asked you what the temperature yeah. was. Yeah. I was like, God damn. It's like Florida, but without all that probably extra rain and shit. Yeah. Or meth. Yeah. Or meth. <laughs> <laughs> Today, actually, it was 78. I was wearing shorts and just sweating balls. That's so unfair. Yeah, it, it is. But anyway, so let's get into today's uh, episode. Uh, actually, this is kind of like an interesting topic for me personally and somewhat tied to Juan, just because Juan and I are friends. I'll get into that here in a second. But anyways, I love to fly. And when I fly, I often have people make comments to me about how nervous or afraid they are of flying. (laughs) And I simply don't understand it. When I fly, I am very relaxed and just chill. I typically fall asleep before the plane even takes off. Why? Because I know the odds of getting into a fatal plane crash are about 1 in 11 million. Now, let's put this into perspective. Uh, most of us drive a car every day, at least for probably about an hour on average. Some of us even more than that. Some people commute two, three hours, sometimes more. Many of us even, yeah, it depends on what your commute is. And how often do you fly? Currently, I fly once or twice a year. I used to fly more frequently 
about four or five times a year, but that has slowed down in the last year or so. Uh, the odds of being in a fatal car crash are one in 77. So compare those one in 77 to one in 11 million. So flying is an incredibly safe way to travel. I have been in a couple of car accidents myself personally, and I have personally lost four family members due to car accident related fatalities. Yet I don't know a single person who has died in a plane crash. So if you go and research these odds for yourself, you're going to find that there's some more varying numbers and it's like, you know, different aspects go into like people's different numbers. And I just took the average of those numbers just to give like a good average idea. Cause some people say it's like one in 1 million. Some say it's one in 20 million. And so it just kind of varies based upon the data, but pretty but safe way to travel. I feel like the people of Iran would beg to differ. Uh, right about now. <laughs> so they're thinking you mean the plane, Ukraine? You, God Damn it. <laughs> the Iranians that shot him down, though. So it's, it was in Iran, right? Am yeah. I wrong? And it was, it was, they were over, I, they were on their way to Iran. They're on their way to Tehran, but it was a Ukrainian airline. Hey, that bitch. hit me clean. I had no idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. It hit you clean, huh? Just like that missile. Yeah. <laughs> RIP. RIP. <laughs> sorry, for, sorry if I interrupt. Uh, no, no, it's fine. This is, this is the podcast. Like, if you if you see something, go for it. If it, whatever, like this is, I mean, yeah, you you know what it's like. You've been on the show before. So at any given time of the day, there are about one million people on a commercial flight. At you know, so right now there's a million people in the air flying. Uh, commercial aircraft crashes are very rare. In 2017, there were 10 accidents with 44 lives lost, and that was the lowest in the like recorded commercial airline. That was the lowest year ever. And then in 2018, there were 15 crashes with 556 deaths, which was considered a high rate of fatalities for that year. Of those 12 crashes, though, or I should say of those 15 crashes, 12 of those were cargo flights. So only three of them were passenger airlines. And then so, in yeah, if you work on a cargo flight, you don't mean shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you that's just sheer volume, and they probably use the cheapest fucking planes for cargo flights. Probably. They're probably old as shit. Or they're, maybe they're made from Boeing that's... Uh, <laughs> Also having a lot of ex <laughs> accidents lot of recently. Recently, yeah. You're yeah, not really selling me on this safe flying thing yet so far. Well, I'm I'm looking into the statistics because we're going to talk about flying. I really love. I actually took flying lessons. The flying's so. fine. It's getting through security that <laughs> drives him nuts. Uh, so yeah. So in 2017, the same year that it was like you know only 44 lives were lost in 10 accidents. Uh, there were 4.1 billion commercial airline passengers that year. So billions, those are, but billions. So that's really good odds for only forty-four people to have died out of four point one billion passengers. So, is that just the United States, or is that worldwide? That's the worldwide. That seems unbelievable. It's. I looked into this, and this is like pretty solid data. Pretty hard. This data. is from trust so, sources. I would trust. It's not like it's from the Onion or you know something like that. Babylon B or you know it's not I didn't find it on it's my like Facebook feed as many third world countries that have some flying yeah you would think that they're not quite there yet you think that there would be more accidents than that well interestingly enough there are like certain countries like let's say for instance like Kenya or Ethiopia yeah. so you're just saying that you're just saying that they don't count as people I no, got no, you. No, okay fair no, enough no no I've actually been to Ethiopia but and <laughs> certain airlines in certain countries have let's say a less than ideal safety record mm -hmm. but they still have a safe safety record it's just 
like Ethiopian Airlines had the crash, uh, what was it, uh, last year with yeah. the 737 MAX, but that wasn't their fault. That was because Boeing designed a plane with a problem. So the only crashes that aren't the fault of the manufacturers count? No, no. Though it counts, but, it, but yeah, what pretty, I'm saying is, safe. is a lot, it's, it's still a very safe way to travel. It's just certain airlines, actually there was an airline, uh, an African-based airline that had such a low safety record, like the governing body was just like, you can't fly anymore unless you bring your safety stuff. This is several years ago. Was it Spirit? No, it wasn't Spirit. I, I, I've flown Shot on Spirit a lot because it's cheap, but I hate Spirit because you're basically sitting on like a plywood it seat. It ends up so. always not being cheap, though. That's what I yeah, fucking yeah. hate about Spirit. Yeah, it's it's like you see the number and then it's like, but wait, did you want an actual seat? That's yeah. the, you know, like, <laughs> do you want anywhere do you want it? Like, would you like a bag? Oh, that's like 50. I'm like, yeah. Okay, so it's now ridiculous. I'm at Delta prices. I might as well just, you know, yeah, you might as well just go cheap, somewhere Just went with Delta in the first fucking place. Domestically, I found the best rates and the best like bang for your buck is to fly American Airlines. I fly a lot, so I've done tons of research into this. I'm a nerd. Uh, the second best Frontier, I, man. I, I hate Frontier and really? I hate you. Yeah, that's like the spirit of the West, right? It is the spirit of the West. Oh, I, I don't like, like Frontier at all. United, I'll take them if I can't find a good flight on American, but that's only because the local airport here is a United hub, so usually I can get pretty decent. Southwest isn't cheap. Southwest, they always charge you for bags. Yeah, and when man. I fly, I only I ever bags take bags fly free at Southwest. It, it does, but they, the thing is, is like if you fly, look, okay, let's say, like I want to fly this when I went to just, fly. This is how you derail a conversation, real quick. Exactly. Hey, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. This is this is going to make it more interesting. So, like I let's say I want to fly from here to New York City on Southwest, it's two hundred and fifty dollars for a round trip ticket. On uh, on United, it'll be like one hundred and eighty five. So the difference is, is if I want to take two bags with me, it and on United, it winds up being around two hundred fifty dollars because you go to the airport and they charge you for the two bags. But if I just take a backpack with me as my carry on, they don't charge me for the two bags and only pay one hundred eighty five dollars. With Southwest, no matter what, you're paying that two hundred fifty dollars because they say bags fly free, but they've already figured that charge into their ticket cost. Gotcha. So I, I don't really have anything against Southwest. It's a great airline. In like. It's just that a lot of the times when I fly somewhere, it's even, I flew Israel last year and I went there for two and a half weeks and I what flew for? Uh, just to visit. And Suspicious. No, really. Just with all the just, stuff going on over there right now. <laughs> this guy might be a spy, Juan. Have you thought about this? <coughs> well, he is white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah, he wouldn't Adam. stick out in Israel at all. No. Adam, if you went to Tel Aviv and you saw the ladies there, you would never want to leave. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> okay. It's it, nothing about the Middle East uh, interests me uh, as far as travel goes. Oh, no. At all. No Brazil, idea. maybe. You Brazil, no. yeah, that would be I'd on the short list. I'd probably be in trouble with, well, my <laughs> wife right now. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so I, f I forgot where I was going with that. Great. Totally derailed the conversation. No, you were talking it's about the stuff safer to fly. Oh, I was talking about like the cost of it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's, uh, Dang it. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember now. Okay. I remember where I was going now. So I've even flew over there and I was there for two and a half weeks, but I only took a backpack. But I've traveled the world several times. I've been to, you know, a lot of continents, a lot of different countries. So I've learned how to pack light and I've learned how to save money. And so I do, I've, I've gotten really good at like figuring out how to like not take more than I need. And then I save money that way too. Like I saved probably $200 by not taking suitcases. 
and just mm-hmm. taking everything I need in a backpack. And I was fine. And I actually brought too much stuff as it was. I could have brought even less stuff. So we totally got off the whole safety talk. But hey, you know That's what? It. Fun facts about flying. And actually, we do have one pilot I know of that listens to this. So shout out to you, Paul. Yeah. <coughs> and, and Paul, knowing him personally, uh, I would feel safe. Yeah. I would do like that. If that's the quality of the, the person they pick for pilots, yeah. I'd feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Where did you meet Paul again? He's my cousin. What, and he's a pilot. Yeah. For what airline? He works for a cargo airline right now. Oh, the most dangerous ones. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gotcha. So okay. Paul, you do matter. Yeah. Paul, say your prayers every time you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember. I'm kidding. That yeah. Guy in does. the back. That's also part of your safety plan. <laughs> okay, so back to the story. In two, you know, we Juan doesn't even know where we're going yet. This is great. So in 2017, there were over 40,000. Just in 2017, that safest year for airline travel with only 44 deaths. In that same year, there were 40,000 fatalities and car crashes in the United States alone. You can't drink and fly a plane, though. Okay, that's, that's not a fair comparison. Still, I'm just we're talking about the safety of one mode of travel versus the other. <laughs> Well, and I'm just going to see how many times I can interrupt him until he just explodes. <laughs> I think they can get away with Coke, though. Yeah, yeah I've seen, the, yeah, I've seen, was that uh, Denzel Washington movie where he's, he's just called oh, yeah. Flight? Yeah, Flight. Yeah. He was all coked up. Yeah, yeah he was. And, and then in 2017, worldwide, 1.25 million people died in car crashes. So 44 versus 1.25 million. So that just makes me wonder why are so many people still scared, still scared of flying heights, least, bro. So heights is one thing, but according to researchers, people people that suffer from aviophobia, which is the fear of flying, uh, they do suffer <laughs> from it because they lack control of the situation. So you tend to feel safer driving because you are the one behind the wheel and you are the one in control. You can start and stop whenever you choose. If you feel like things are getting too dangerous, you can pull over and get out of the car, you know, get off the road. An airplane, when the doors are closed, you are stuck inside the aircraft and someone else is under control of the aircraft until you land and the doors are open again. So you're pretty much helpless. It's it's very something that we're not used to. We're not used to, unless you like ride trains a lot, which a lot of people don't do because we live in America and trains really don't exist in America. Not like they do in other parts of the world. So this produces anxiety for many people who are simply used to being in control of their vehicle when they're, you know, transporting from one destination to another. It's my favorite mode of transportation is train, actually. I don't you mind. You do seem like somebody who'd be into trains. It's just not so much the ones person. that go on rails. Yeah. So I get to just walk bath- up and down uh, that bedroom. fucker for like two days. Nobody <laughs> can get away, man. <laughs> it's I like trains too. Beautiful. But you have to have the time for it. Well, yeah. Too. I mean, it's not, you don't take a train to get anywhere fast. No. You can't listen to your <laughs> or music. Or cheap though. either. It's expensive as fuck. Gotta have it. Yeah, have it costs more than like, flying, yes. man. Way more. Yeah, it's crazy. because, And the crazy thing is, is like, it's not Am- practical at all. Passenger travel, air on no. trains in America, uh, Amtrak is supplemented by the government. If they didn't supplement it, it, w- it wouldn't even exist. And, and it still me, has crazy it's high low rates. quality shit too, bro. Yeah, exactly. Houston. Oh, Houston of all places knows that we have a metro rail or light rail yeah. that is absolutely useless and it's super expensive. And they just voted to extend it. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, why? I wrote, I wrote an Amtrak back in the 80s. And this is yeah. no bullshit. It was one of the. We went from Detroit to Denver. When you flush that toilet, 
You saw light and tracks, bro. <laughs> they used to open up right onto the tracks. That's why they would say, don't flush when it stops. <laughs> Stands all to reason. The I'm like, why would they? Oh, my God. How, flushed but, and we but how much was the, the ticket? Train, and I was like, oh, that's why. That's, that's Those, what happened to Juan's first child. He yeah. flushed him. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Juan Jr. didn't make it. He grew up on the tracks. As a I don't think I've movie. ever ridden a train in my life. I've been on several trains. I actually rode the train in Europe. The European trains are fantastic. Oh, well, that's, that'd be awesome. I'd oh, everything's that. better than Europe. Oh, I, they're so much more refined. I get it. Yeah. This guy hates America. Why aren't you picking up on this shit? <laughs> oh, no, I'd I totally don't. rather be on a German train than an Amtrak. <laughs> be straight up about that. Yeah. That okay. animal retentiveness pays off somewhere. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, the trains run on time. Yeah. Oh, is that Russian? No, it's Japanese. You know, you, you know, in Europe, the trains run on time too. In America, didn't Stalin say that though? Like I he was think, a horrible person, but at least the trains ran on time. I don't know. I, I, I think, think that was just the trains ran on time to the gulag. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Gotta get some free labor somehow. Yeah. Okay. So back to the anxiety for people flying. Uh, for some people, it's simply because they don't understand how flights work, and the safety precautions, and the training, and the procedures that are involved in it. I know several people who are afraid afraid of flying. And when I've tried to explain to them how and why aircraft are safer than cars, they just absolutely refuse to listen to me. Uh, there are also people who have, these are also people who have to be, you know, in control and drive when you go anywhere in a car. It's just, some people just want to feel safer if they're in control. And so like, I'm like, I Mark, work. we're going to fucking die. Can you take over the stroke, please? <laughs> yeah. Juan's not one of those people. <laughs> yeah. I'd much rather be a passenger than a driver. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't care either way. I'm fine either way. I, uh, I'll sleep, lot, bro. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. In a car? Wait, in a car? I'll sleep in a car, in a plane, in a train. I don't care. In the front seat? Front seat, back seat. I don't care. Trunk, fuck it. Now, look, if, this is, I have a hard and fast rule that's been passed down to me from my father. If you're on a long car ride and you're in the front seat with the driver, you have an obligation to stay awake oh, no, and that, entertain you know that you person. You are absolutely right. I stand corrected. You are absolutely correct. Because I hate when that motherfucker sitting next to me in the past. The audacity asleep, of these people. That's some bullshit. Like, I you, completely you're right, agree. You're right. If you take the privilege of having that front passenger seat, it is your fucking job to be interested. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of fear of flying can be cured by simply educating yourself or the people who are afraid of flying about and being honest with yourself. Uh, fear is a powerful emotion, and if you choose to let it control you, uh, often it will keep you from doing the simplest of things. And yes, I said the word choose. We have a choice to let our fears control us, or we can control our fear. Are you sure about that? 100% true. So if you uh, are still afraid to, to fly, you're a pussy, apparently. No, no, no. Not that you're a pussy, but <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that you, have, you can choose to let fear control you, or you can choose to find ways to be proactive and overcome your fear. It's that, that, it's that way in anything. Like you said last week about like, you know, you looked at comedy as like, oh, hey, you know, I can do this. Like rather than be nervous about it and choose to let that nervousness control you, you were just like, well, I can't be, I mean, if I can do better than these guys who are sucking at this. True. But like, I have a very irrational fear of roaches. I wouldn't say a fear but I hate them. They're gross. They're disgusting. I, like I will, I'm the, a total wuss with it. Like I'll have to like throw a shoe. Mm -hmm. Like I can't just like go up and step on a roach. But uh, that's an ira completely irrational fear. That's even more lame than flight because like there's no way a roach could ever harm me. No. But I, I think for the most like, part, if you want to get over fears in general, 
just you only have to really get over one. And that is if you can get over the fear of death. Yeah. Like that's really, impossible. I'm really not afraid to die. Neither am I. I, I have no fear of well, death. Yeah, I'm, I'm here with some stone cold <laughs> badasses, <what> apparently. <laughs> I don't want to fucking I die. I swear to you, I'm ready to go any day. I literally <laughs> live, try to live every day like it's my fucking last day. I, I just know that, and I'm getting older, man, and I'm not in the best of health. So, like, I live this shit. So, like, <laughs> people are like, are you afraid of this thing? I have one real fear, but it's a real fear. I have a fear of deep, dark ass, scary water. Okay, but I've oh. almost drowned a couple of times, man. So there's something behind that. It's not like it can't hurt me. Yeah, it can. I, I thought so, you were going to say ED. <laughs> I was like, no, yeah. He, if you heard the podcast, how is that before, not a fear? You know, he takes enough Viagra for that to be. Oh, fair enough. Problem. Fair enough. He almost choked on a Viagra in one episode. I actually got it on audio. <laughs> Why was Did he death? taking it during the podcast? <laughs> what? This isn't what the only thing with I your do hands? all day, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I got a regular schedule. <laughs> Fair. It's all, I okay. know. I'll stop so, there. Why am I talking about flying? Well, first of all, because I want to see Juan sweat when I talk about going through airport security. Oh, because I've dick. flown with him a few <laughs> times before, and every time he's gone through we airport security. We haven't talked about that, man. Oh, we have, but I just wanted to see oh, you sweat again. come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you try to sneak into where? Every time uh, Juan has been stressed, and I still find it amusing, especially when he had his, quote, London emergency in oh, London. Oh, God. What did you, you know do? what's funny, man? What? I swear to you, this is no bullshit. Yesterday, Jasmine yeah. had a bathroom issue. She couldn't wait. She ran into a bank and yelled, this is an emergency. <laughs> and they let her use their private bathroom, bro. It works, man. <laughs> We were in London on our way to Africa and we had like both of you? Yeah. We had like a 45 minute like layover and we had to switch terminals. We had to like take a bus from one terminal to the other. And so we thought we were gonna miss our flight. So we get to the second terminal and they made us go through security again and the line was huge. So we get I think they up, call it a queue in yeah, uh, London. I'm 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 not we're not there. So sorry, UK <laughs> listeners, just gonna have to deal with us. Two interruptions away. <laughs> uh, so Juan, we get to the front of the security line. We're about ready to go through like the screening. And Juan just goes, I have to go take a dump. And he just like disappeared. We're like, what? So like we go through security and we're sitting there. And then finally, maybe like 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, it wasn't that long, but it felt like forever. Cause we're like, oh my gosh, we're going to miss this flight. We see Juan back there. So then my dad goes over to like one of the security guys and goes, Hey, we got through, but our friend is over there and he didn't get through with us. So the guy goes, Hey, bring him up to the front of the line. Got one through security. If you want to piss off a bunch of British people, cut in line in front of them. Oh, we're Americans. Security. We're important. Please <laughs> make us step aside. <laughs> Don't make us come back and whoop your ass again. Not to be messed with. I was they were, hated. They were not. Happy. Oh yeah. They were going to give you a stern talking to you. They're British. They're not fucking mean. <laughs> Just slap me with some white gloves. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, uh, we got through there. And so Juan said he had barely made it to the restroom. There was a big queue mm -hmm. at the restroom. Yep, thank you. And he said he burst in and was like, guys, this is an emergency. And they <laughs> led him to the front of the line before his <laughs> pants exploded. I made Juan it, man. Went, fucking and you were actually wearing a suit that day, too. So that would have been a disaster. Yeah, that's okay. And he never he was never gonna wear that suit again anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. don't need to wear a suit to the antique shop or whatever uh, normal business he's got getting up to. 
Yeah. To your uh, resale shop? Yeah, I haven't got there yet. Got any hits on that uh, clown painting yet? Uh, actually, I got some more information, but I got to go to the actual art dealer. I called them today. I got to bring pictures. Sounds fun. Is your art dealer the same as your pot dealer? No. No, they are definitely two separate people. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one-stop shops in, uh, in Detroit? No, it's That's actually uh, my wife's uh, ex-husband. <laughs> oh, he's going to be a straight shooter. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with you? I can't think of anyone I would trust less than the guy whose ex-wife I'm fucking. <laughs> is he not? He's just not thinking about this <laughs> for the first time. Even... Oh my god! <laughs> he's god like, bless you. I mean, hmm, if, if, that guy's got some like serious sounds, and I'm like, yeah, that does sound a little odd, doesn't it? That guy's got some serious ethics if he's giving you a square deal. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Wow. That's where the Safghan Kush came from, man. We didn't do <laughs> no. Oh, your drug dealer was your ex-wife's. I thought your art dealer was your ex-wife's or your, your wife's ex-husband. No, no. My ex-wife was over yesterday. <laughs> Whoa. I just lost my headphones. Okay. So we are going to. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, man. So no, no, it's all good. So I talked about all this, you know, flight stuff. Obviously, we're going to talk about. A flight. So we're actually we're going to talk about Malaysia Airlines flight MH370. So if you've heard of this, we're going to give you hopefully a little bit more detail. Unless you know for some reason on your own you've went and done a deep dive on research. So even if you have, you know, hey, listen to this. <clears throat> but anyways, M, uh, Malaysian Airlines flight MH370 departed from Kuala Lumpur on March 8th, 2014, with 12 crew and 227 passengers on board. The aircraft was a Boeing 777-200ER, the world's largest twin-jet airliner. It is a large, long-range aircraft that has a passenger capacity of between 314 to 451 passengers, depending on the airline and the class layout. And I actually flew on a 777 last year on my trip to the Middle East. The destination for flight MH370 was Beijing, China. Currently, an econom economy ticket on Malaysian Airlines from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing cost around 250 to 300 US dollars and takes about six and a half hours. The pilot in command of the aircraft that day was 53 year old Malaysian Zaire Ahmad Shah of Penang, this island in Malaysia. He began training as a pilot in 1981 as a cadet pilot with Malaysian Airlines and after training received his commercial pilot's license. He became a second officer in 1983 and was then promoted to captain flying Boeing 737-400s in 1991, then Airbus A330-300s in 1996, and finally promoted to captain of Boeing's 777-200 in 1998. He was also a type rating instructor and examiner and had a total of 18,365 hours of flight experience. Wait, what's a type rating? He is uh, an instructor. Okay, the type rating instructor and examiner. So he would train other pilots how to fly. Gotcha. And then he was like an examiner means he was also like would help, you know, do tests. Gotcha. Sorry. So, no, it's okay. So the co-pilot of flight MH370 was a 27-year-old first officer, Farik Abdul Hamid. He joined the airline as a cadet pilot in 2007. He became a second officer of the Boeing 737s and then was promoted to first officer in 2010, and then transitioned to the Airbus A330s in 2012. In 2013, he began training as first officer of the Boeing 777s, 
and flight 370 was his final training flight. So, ouch. Yeah. So his. Oh man. The Zaire, damn tough break. Yeah, yeah. It was his. You know, Zaire was his instructor, and he was scheduled to have his exam on his next flight after you know flight 370. <coughs> and this is gonna turn into a CSI episode, man. It it kind of is. He had uh, 2,763 hours of flying experience. So he was also an experienced pilot. Obviously, he didn't have decades of experience that the captain had, but he still was an experienced pilot. Uh, the majority of the 227 passengers were from China, like around 150, and the rest were coming from other countries as Australia, Canada, France, Indonesia, India, Iran, Malaysia, Netherlands, New Zealand, Russia, Taiwan, Ukraine, and the United States. Dang, I flight. thought we were going to not be on the list. I know. That's all I was like. There was oh. actually only two Americans on that flight. Were they really Americans, though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, flight <laughs> MH370 departed from Kuala Lumpur International Airport. And actually, this is the same airport where uh, Kim Jong-nam was murdered, presumably by his brother, Kim Jong-un. Oh, is that the one that got gassed? Yeah. Boom, yeah, that's boom, fucked boom. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if you want more details on that, listen to episode 31 of our podcast where we covered that. Yeah. Did y'all do y'all do y'all did do an episode on North Korea, huh? Yeah. Damn. See, I didn't even think about ties to North Korea in this episode, and this isn't the only North Korean tie in this episode. There's more? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was like, what? How come now that like I've done an episode on North Korea, we've had like a couple other episodes tie in? I've had a couple of people tell me that's their favorite episode, by the way. <laughs> well, that's after good. they heard mine, fuck those people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was before yours was on, man. Matt, you goddamn right. No, uh, I'm kidding. Actually, North Korea is a super I, interesting yeah, I topic. I'm about to go to, back and listen uh, the to the one that. that you were on more than the other one. Really? Yeah. You said that about the Nick and Doug podcast. That was. He's he's just trying. This guy goes through his own yeah. his same old tricks. It's yeah. like I'm, you're not trying to date me here, man. Yeah. Uh, not you, at you, all. You can be up front with me. You say you hated it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Fair no, enough. I'm <laughs> no, I, I really have listened to that more than any other episode. I'm not even trying to suck a dick or anything. Sorry to God. <laughs> <laughs> well, come visit and then we'll see if you try. Yeah. Okay. So the flight carried. <laughs> <laughs> took him a second. It took him a second. <laughs> oh, was it? How are you making it? It's only going to take a second. So I promise. Funny. I don't even know where. You're, <laughs> <laughs> you're doing you numbers, and the next thing you know, like I don't know what's coming. <laughs> uh. Okay. So. The flight carried 108,200 pounds of jet fuel. That's a lot of jet fuel. Uh, The required amount of fuel to reach Beijing was 82,000 pounds. The extra was enough for the flight to divert to its two alternate airports, which would require 23,000 pounds, giving the aircraft an endurance of seven hours and 31 minutes of flight time. The flight was scheduled to take only five hours and 34 minutes. So uh, with like... With every flight, they have two listed alternates, and they have to have enough fuel to make it to the furthest one away. So that's common. That's not like crazy. <coughs> yeah, no, like, that's not that's, like they were trying to like take off. And, no, yeah, okay. that's that's every flight has that. You you have more than enough to get to your destination, and then more than enough to get to two alternates just in case something happens. So you that explains why they're so safe. Yeah, and also the thing they're is, thinking is like, of everything, they don't just like fill up the tanks every time. They figure out how much fuel they're going to need. So, because then that way they also, they want to be light. They, yeah, they want to also be efficient. So they just being being a pilot from taking some 
flight training myself, you basically have to be a scientist because you have to know about weather, you have to know about you know meteorology, you have to know about physics. There's a lot of math and science that goes into it. So like, in order to be a pilot, even a private pilot, and have your own small airplane, you have to be very intelligent, and you really have to put a lot of work into it. It's really, it's really like the people who like these the pilots of these planes. You really have to put a lot of work and effort and money into it to get these jobs. Like you're yeah, not thinking your way into it. <laughs> no. I legitimately was planning on joining like the Air Force when I was like 19. Yeah. Because I wanted to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. And my dad is like, uh, there's a lot of math involved in being a pilot. And I was like, fuck that. I'm out. <laughs> I was that, it, was that, it was that quick. I was like, yeah. all right, I'm out. I was going to go see a recruiter and everything. Yeah. A lot of times, too, you have to like, a lot of it you have to do like on the fly. Like now they've, Forget it. they've gotten more like they have like iPads and stuff in the cockpits and stuff. And you could have calculators and stuff. But when I was taking lessons, like a lot of times I'm there with like a pencil and paper and I'm like, ah, crap, how do I do this? <laughs> yeah. If I need a slide ruler, I'm out. I, the guy who trained me did actually have a slide ruler. I believe it. <laughs> but hey. I guess that makes sense. Cause like it, talk about all places. If something goes tits up, yeah, you better be ready with the, be able to do the math on the yeah. fly. Yeah, You better not be like that cashier that can't make change from a dollar. Oh, have y'all talked about that already? Uh, no, that's a huge pet peeve of mine. It, but I feel just, bad for him. Yeah, that's I fuck it up sad. every time in my favor. Fuck him. <laughs> I remember I was a, ca- a cashier for a very brief period of time, and you had like a, this part of training that they would put you through because people would come in and try to scam these idiots. Yeah, to like, oh no, I uh, just give me like they'll give you like a twenty to pay for an eighteen dollar yeah thing, and they're all right, yeah, just give me two or two tens back. Yeah, just to fuck with you instead of two one dollar bills. So you had a training to like just don't be an idiot and be suggestible. <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah, everyone's gonna go try it tomorrow. Probably, I know I will. So I'm gonna go to Walmart and try it. So flying Walmart is, only bu- hires the best and brightest. Come yeah, on now, Mark. Of course they do. They also pay the best too. <laughs> <laughs> so flying is not like driving a car at all. It is very much a science. There's no, eh, we'll pull over here and you know when the fuel light comes on. <laughs> you know everything is meticulously planned out for safety and efficiency. Uh, flight 370 departed at 12:42 a.m., so just after midnight Malaysian time and climbed to 18,000 feet after being cleared by the airport's ATC, or air traffic control, for those of you who don't know the lingo. Uh, Everyone. Yeah, so basically everyone but me. (laughs) (laughs) And was transferred to Lumpur Radar, ATC. The flight was then cleared to climb to flight level 350, or 35,000 feet, at 1.01 a.m. Flight 370's crew reported to ATC that they had reached flight level 350. The flight's... Final transmission was sent using ACARS, the Aircraft Communications Addressing and Reporting System. This system sends flight info between the aircraft and the ground via satellite. The last verbal communication with Flight 370 was at 1.19 a.m. when Captain Zahir... I'm I'm sorry, I'm butchering this guy's name. It's just a tricky word. Zahari? Zahar? Your guess is better than mine. Yeah, I'm not trying to like insult. It's just a difficult name. But anyways, he uh, the last he was the last person that you know every, anybody heard from on the plane. He acknowledged a transmission from Lumpur radar to the oh he it was when he acknowledged the switching from the Lumpur radar to the Ho Chi Minh ACC. The so the Vietnam air traffic control, mm-hmm. and actually the transcript of it here reads the Lumpur radar you know person 
Dang it. What are they called? Now I'm blanking on it. But anyways, the Lumpur radar guy said Malaysian 370. Contact Ho Chi Minh 120 decimal nine. Good night. And then Zaire acknowledged good night. Malaysian 370. So that was the last uh, that verbal the, communication. That's the last verbal communication. The rest was via text. Yeah. The <laughs> Dad joke? No? No. no? The, the rest was via, you know, someone was on, you know, playing World of Warcraft and they were just typing on there. Well, yeah. I mean, hey, whatever you got to get. You got to get it out one way or the other. I mean, the plane's on autopilot. You might as well play well to work. Are they allowed to do that? No. (laughs) Have you been in a cockpit during a flight? Uh, I've been a commercial flight. No. They'll be like, it's a lot of math, but you get to play Bubble Witch. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What do I mean? Seriously, when it's on autopilot, why even like their hands aren't on the sticks all no, the time? No, the so are they allowed itself. to read or I'm watch sure some read YouTube or probably watch videos on iPads or whatever. I actually know two pilots. I'm gonna ask one of them. I'm gonna ask them what they do. Why is a pilot not one of the, the guests on a show like this? You know why they don't I have cameras in them, in them cockpits? Why? So they can do some sucking yeah, and fucking, so those guys right? Jerk off all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get really close to your co pilot. <laughs> like, look, this is normal. This is the initiation. Oh boy. So at this point, now you're, I'm glad, Ben, you're glad you didn't join the Air Force. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so at this point, the crew of Flight 370 were supposed to contact the Ho Chi Minh ACC, but they never did. Shortly after 1.30 a.m., the captain of another aircraft that was in the area attempted to contact Flight 370. The captain of this other flight said that they were able to establish communication, but they only heard mumbling and static. Hmm. Other calls were made to the cockpit of Flight 370 at 2.39 a.m. and 7.13 a.m., but they went unanswered, but they were acknowledged by the aircraft's SDU, Satellite Data Unit. So after the plane disappeared, or actually, I should say, actually, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So two Spoiler min- alert. Two minutes after Zaire's final radio transmission, the aircraft's transponder was turned off, making it disappear from civilian radar. One hour after the flight's scheduled time, in of landing in Beijing, Malaysia Airlines released a statement saying that they had lost contact with the aircraft and they started search and rescue operations. There was no distress signal from the aircraft or the itself or the crew. Yes, these aircraft can send out distress signals by themselves. Mm-hmm. These things are technologically insane. Uh, no bad weather was in the area and no technical problems with the aircraft. It had simply had vanished. So after that final like communication from the captain, the transponder was switched off. Now, after like research has showed that the transponder, you know, people were like, well, what, you know, how the transponder works on aircraft is there's like the civilian radar and that, that transponder sends a signal so that the civilian radar can pick it up. If that transponder is disabled or turned off, then it disappears from radar. So we think it's something nefarious happened or just straight Do up. Do they wreck? have to physically turn that off? Does someone have to physically turn that off? It can be it, it can be physically turned off, or if oh, there's a technical problem, it can it can fail. Uh, so it, it can be one of two things. It, if if the system and actually some aircraft have like uh two transponders, then I believe the triple seven has two transponders. As so, they should. I mean, if right. they thought about everything, you can't right. be like Talk about one of the most important things, right? Knowing and, where the hell this thing is, yeah. You think it at act, least but, have a backup of itself, like everything else, right? Did. At least right. one level of backup, right? So we'll get more into this. Is this, this so both uh, shut off within two minutes? Then, yeah. Within, okay. At what point can we man. start speculating crazy conspiracy theories? Uh, we're going to get to that. Yes, we, we. There actually is a list of crazy conspiracy yes. theories. I'm going to get to. Sweet. 
Yeah. So at this time, crazily enough, uh, a Malaysian military radar was still tracking the flight, but this was not known to the public until a few days after the disappearance of the aircraft due to the reluctance of the military. The military did not want to give away the capabilities uh, of yeah. their equipment. Smart. So the military radar showed that after the transponder of Flight 370 was switched off, the aircraft made a right turn and then a sharp left turn of almost 180 degrees and then flew along the border of Malaysia and Thailand, roughly heading west until it flew south over the island of Penang, gently turned left and then right as if to look at Penang out of the window and then continued northwest until it dropped off of the military radar over the Strait of Malacca. Now, if this flight had been in the United States or the UK or somewhere in Western Europe, there would have been a military fighter jet sent to investigate with at least 20 minutes of the plane's disappearance off the civilian radar. However, the Malaysian military never sent up, or the Thai military, because it was on the border of Thailand too. So no military, either one, ever sent a jet up or sounded an alarm when the flight, you know, transponder was, you know, disappeared off the radar screen. So what, so what you're saying is we need military bases in Thailand and Malaysia? <laughs> Basically, because they can't do this. Uh, <laughs> this was a... I don't, I don't condone. <laughs> this was a severe failure of security on the Malaysian military and their flight control systems. Neither the Malaysian nor the Thai militaries perceived any threat, so neither of them thought of sending anyone to investigate because the flight was going in and out of each Malaysian Thai and airspace. And if you look at the map... The like the it's not like a border between them is straight. It like you know it looks like a path of a river. So the flight flew along there. So it would like you know one minute it would be in Malaysia, then one minute it would be in Thailand, and then in one minute it'd be in Malaysia, and then one minute it'd be in Thailand. So I would assume that every time you know it popped up on the Malaysian guy's radar, he's like, oh well, I'm sure Thailand has that. And then every time it popped up on the Thai guy's radar, the Thai guy's like, oh, I'm sure Malaysia has. But that. no one thought I to feel think like that it just happened to be to do that. Which is a perfect I would think cover. You have to be super savvy to know that's how they would think to get away with it by doing that. Yeah, but I mean, well, but if you're get away with get, get, get away bowl, with whatever. You're yeah. have that kind of knowledge. I mean, wh why else would they be going completely off route? I mean, right. Because it's not like they went off route and they just wrecked. Right. Or they exactly. were just like going aimlessly, like everybody passed out from a peanut allergy or something. Right. So this, something was definitely going on with with something the pilot something or, or yeah. somebody who took over the, the cockpit who knows right. something something yeah something weird was going on so you know it was just really weird so 10 days after the disappearance of the flight a british company in marsat released a statement saying that their satellites had been in contact with flight 370 with its satcom system it's a satellite communication system now uh do you, does everybody here know what geosynchronous orbit is of course. Juan, do you? Duh. No, I don't know. <laughs> what fuck this okay. piece of shit wrote in his script to call us out about not knowing what geosynchronous You should have seen the look on this guy's face. It's like, does anybody know what this is? Yeah. I'm not going to say that what it means, but of course we know. Geosynchronous Why don't you orbit. tell the crowd? It was kind of an asshole move, really. <laughs> he was so excited about it, too. Do you know yep. what pseudo-satisfied singular... I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Geosynchronous orbit is when you put a satellite into an orbit that rotates with the speed of the rotation of the Earth, so it stays in the same location above the planet at all times. So they had a satellite over the in Indian Ocean that stayed in the same position over the Indian Ocean always. So there is a satellite. That is good to know. I, I, I've seen that word a lot, and now I know what it yeah. means. So I'm ready for the trivia now. 
It's yep. exactly. <laughs> so it stays at the same point over the, you know, the Indian Ocean. So this gave the satellite the capability of measuring the distance between the satellite and the flight 370. Investigators went through this data and they were able to come up with a rough idea of where the plane had traveled. The data also showed that the plane was flying for roughly six more hours Whoa. after it lost contact with the military radar. Interestingly, the SATCOM system of the aircraft logged off of the system at, at sorry, as it was over the Strait of Malacca, but it then reconnected with the satellite three minutes after the Malaysian military radar had lost contact with the aircraft. And from what I can understand, the only way that the SATCOM system can be turned off is if it's manually unplugged in the aircraft. Mm. So just another weird thing here. So during, Something fishy is definitely going exactly. on. Exactly. So during the final hours the final hours of the flight, two calls were made to the aircraft's satellite telephone. These calls are routed directly to the cockpit, but neither call was answered. So they knew that the plane was still flying for six hours after it had disappeared because not only the satellite data, the satellite data tracks like how the engines are doing. Like these air aircraft are so technologically complex, it's ridiculous. Like the aircraft is automatically sending data saying oh this is how the right engine is doing and this is how the left engine is doing like all the systems and everything are monitored by satellite so everything can be tracked it's not like a plane goes up and you're just like well i hope it shows up here's an idea yeah we we can fly drones like perfectly right right have every plane kitted to where if some dickhead takes over or some pilot wants to go rogue you're like Nope, you're out. We're taking over. Yeah, that's actually something that people have suggested. I've heard in the last like 10 years, and it's not a bad idea. The The argument against that is people say like, well, a robot can, doesn't have like human reaction in like an emergency situation. And I, or if you're not on the plane, it's different. And I'm like, mm. yeah, you could have like six or seven fail safes like where you give them like six different chances to like, right. no, we're good. Yeah. And then like after that, you're like that's no, I'm yeah. not having another like 9-11 or Malaysian Airlines thing right. happen. <clears throat> so initially search and rescue operations began in the Gulf of Thailand where the plane's transponder was turned off. Then once the military released their findings, the search was moved to the Adaman Sea in the Bay of Bengal, which is like hundreds and hundreds of miles away on the other side of Malaysia and Thailand. So they were like searching in this one spot, like crap, the aircraft's not here. So then they move everything hundreds and hundreds of miles, like crap, it's not here either. So finally, after the SATCOM data was analyzed, the search focuses, focused more on the southern Indian motion, thousands of miles south. Huh. This part of the ocean is so remote that it took six days for search and rescue vessels just to get to the area. By like by boats. Oh, the okay. planes. I was like, can, I was like, I was like, I was like how's that? Well, because the planes can go, but they can only look at the surface. So gotcha. then they have boats with like you know some. That is insanely remote. Yeah. So it took the boat six days to get there. You know, they had planes flying out over there. How area. does Wish do it? What? Wish did, I, seems wish. like. If they had sent Wish, it probably would have been like for at least four days. <laughs> oh my goodness. What the hell is Wish? I, I'm so confused. Wish right is now. a website where you order everything like directly from China. Oh my God. And you got to wait like, you know, two weeks for a sweater. It's but a it's deep like, cut. You know, it's a deep cents. cut one. <laughs> he said it with the confidence like, everyone's going to get this. For some reason, like, is in it, my I, mind, I've I thought a, Juan was talking about like a porn star. A, a, yeah. I, I th um, to be honest, I thought I was going with there too. I was like, I was like, what? I was like who is this? I wish I thought maybe a superhero. Listeners will understand that joke. 
Financially challenged. Speaking of um, ordering things from China, oh and it's taking two weeks. So my mom actually bought me a drone for Christmas from yeah. China. Mm-hmm. I got it the other day. I was like, "When did this get in the mail?" And she's like, "Oh, it came in like a, a week ago." I'm like, do you? Not, are you trying to kill me with the coronavirus? Oh my goodness! I was like, what the fuck are you doing, mom? But she assured me it's okay. Well, I'm gonna die now. This is great. It's been a good run. Yep. It probably nice, got nice a good review everyone. on Wish, though. okay so search aircraft (laughs) surface vessels and autonomous underwater submarines were all used in the search but nothing was ever found satellites over the indian ocean took pictures in two locations the day after then the days after of what could have been debris but when the search aircraft and boats got to the locations nothing was found also those satellite images were very grainy and so it looked like something was on top of the water but there was no real way to tell could it's be always like plastic, a plastic thing, bottles yeah. floating it could around. Be, it could be. There was. It, I, I've actually seen some of the pictures, and it looks like there's something there, but it just looks like white speck. So you're like, maybe that's like a tiny little cloud, because mm-hmm. there's cloud cover over everything too. Right. So it's like it's really hard to tell. So you basically are like left at the mercy of like the experts who like analyze photos. I just find Thanks. it so weird today, where everyone's got a <laughs> fucking phone with a camera better than I ever had in my life. Six, yeah. every six year old and up and yet every time some real important shit goes down it was yeah. a grainy photo where who's getting a grainy photo i, haven't, <laughs> I can't even make a grainy photo can you yeah. imagine the resolution though of having to ha- be well, yeah. watching the entire earth yeah like how great a quality can you have if you're it's just this remote six day like boat ride from any civilization yeah like how how important is what kind of quality cameras are we using for that which again leads you to understand why it seems really suspicious that it went down in an area so remote where it'd be so difficult to yeah. get any kind of real evidence. Yeah, that makes it even shadier. It's, it's literally the middle of nowhere. There's like I've looked at maps of it. Like I encourage you if you're wanting to like you know what this is like, go on YouTube, Google, look up some videos, look at some pictures, look at the maps. There's tons of data out there. It's really fascinating. But anyways. Continuing on with the investigation, uh, the people conducting the search also looked at recordings from underwater hydrophones. These are listening posts with microphones that are under the sea on the sea floor. Some theorized that if the plane impacted the water hard enough, the sound could have been picked up by some of the hydrophones. Four hydrophone locations did record something the day the flight disappeared, but after the data was analyzed, it said that it was probably just geological activity. I've listened to two of those recordings and it does sound like like if you're under like if you've ever been underwater and someone else has jumped in the pool yes it sounds similar to that it sounds like that but i mean the experts say oh it wasn't that it was you know it's it's kind of like this garbled thing but you do hear like this kind of crashing sound so, but if someone if someone who listens to this all the time, they say, "Oh, well, that's geological activity." They yeah, probably hear it all the time. Yeah, it's like when they sense. play those recordings of EFP, and then they tell you what it said, and you're like, "I'm pretty sure it didn't say that." But you're the expert. Yeah, you guys know what EFP is, right? Nope. Fuck you, Juan. I don't know what EFP <laughs> is. Both of you guys gonna get me with one of these today? Oh, that's when they take those recordings of spirits. They just like record it, and you don't oh, hear supposed shit. To know this. And then they play it back, and it has some garbled shit on it. And they always say it just said, you know, your grandmother's in the basement, and it uh-huh. doesn't say that shit. And they tell you that, and then people go I, believe them because they're the experts. It's kind of like that. I don't, I don't watch Ghost Hunters. Me neither. 
Anyway, so the aircraft was equipped with an automatic, or I'm sorry, the aircraft was equipped with two automatic locator beacons, which have a battery life of 40 days. So if the plane goes down, these things automatically activate, sending out signals that satellites can track and then people can come find it. These uh, signals with a pulse and frequency similar to the locator beacons were detected approximately 9,800 feet below the surface of the ocean. An autonomous Seems submarine. kind of deep. Yeah. An autonomous submarine spent... What's autonomous again? No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Oh, my god. That's the last time. <laughs> <laughs> An autonomous submarine spent weeks searching the area where the signals were detected, but nothing was ever found. The searches produced nothing until 16 months later, so a year and a half after the flight disappeared, on the, when on the opposite side of the Indian Ocean, there sits a small island off the eastern coast of Madagascar called Reunion. On July 29th, 2015, a group of people were cleaning the beach when they discovered a six-foot-long metal object covered in barnacles. This discovery was given to investigators, and they found that this was what was called a white flapperon. This is part of a plane. Great Ser name. Serial numbers and markings on the inside of the flapperon proved that this flapperon came from Flight 370. Once this flapperon was discovered, searches were on, you know, searches searchers were sent out to search beaches all around Southeast Africa, and 31 other pieces of debris were discovered. A piece of cowling from one of the two engines, a section of the outboard right wing flap, a casing from one of the headrest monitors, like in the back of the seat. And that was a thorough search shit. Yeah. A piece of the vertical stabilizer and a part of the door for the nose landing gear. Out of these 31 items, only three were confirmed to have come from Flight 370. Three were likely, eight were highly likely, seven were almost certain, and 11 were unidentifiable. The underwater search continued until 2017, so three years. Why? What are they looking to find? <coughs> well, it's clearly gone. Nobody knew why. And so the thing about like investigating the, black box. the thing about investigating flight crashes is like they want to find the black box, and then everyone wants to know why. And a lot of the reason like they do this is because then that way they can learn like why did this fail? Was it like pilot error? Right. Was it because of so like a mechanical problem? Basically, so people can either like sue Boeing or Boeing can say, oh, we, this is why, and we have to fix this on the plane. That was sorry to make it safer. <laughs> Stuff like that. So, like, it's not like when you have a car crash and the cops come out and they're like, yep, crash your car, and then you leave. No, mm -hmm. they like science. Like, the plane that landed on the Hudson in New York. Yeah, Sully. Yeah, Sully. They, like, put that plane back together in a lab. Like, they picked it. Like, when a plane crashes, they, like, take as much as they can find, and they put it all back together and then try and figure out what happened to it. So, it's like... They're really, really detailed and thorough on it. Did you see that Sully they got movie? Some job yep. security, jeez. Tom Hanks One crash could take you three years. Yeah, basically, they take their time doing it. So, some one hundred and twenty thousand square kilometers of seabed had been searched by two thousand and seventeen, but nothing was ever found. The search was later resumed by a seabed exploration company called Ocean Infinity, based here in Houston, Texas. Ooh, I know where they are too. Uh, after a year of searching, Ocean Infinity was unable to find any traces of Flight 370. Since the black box and other main parts of the aircraft have never been located, there is no way to determine how or why the aircraft crashed. There have been many theories, though. So, who was on that plane, man? 
<coughs> yeah, who's on that plane? Well, you said there was more North Korea shit to come up. Yeah. We're getting to that. So <laughs> when the plane di- first disappeared, it was thought that the plane had been hijacked. After investigation, the pilot, uh, the passengers, <laughs> sorry, after investigating the passengers, it was discovered that two of the passengers were from Iran, but hmm. that th- th- these Iranians were using stolen passports. Whoa. Initially, it was guessed that they had hijacked the flight, but after further looking into that could the be two, any Iranian. I, exactly. <laughs> after further looking into after further investigation into the two Iranians, it was discovered that they were not connected to any terrorist groups and they were that actually we they were actually just seeking asylum. So they had stolen passports exactly. and were just trying to get out of Iran. That's the perfect cover. Like, look, guys, these guys are just wanting to seek <coughs> asylum. They have nothing nefarious going on. Well, here also no, I mean I shouldn't just no terrorist group name. has ever come forward claiming credit for taking flight 370 because it failed no but see even if it did fail a terrorist group always wants to take credit for it because they want to humiliate it's like a black people. guy like we were going to go run it into something and then we <laughs> fucked it up uh, so sorry we're just gonna be, so, no harm no foul investigators don't believe the flight was hijacked by terrorists so then flight Flight 370 was not only carrying its passengers, but it was carrying cargo as well. In its cargo hold were lithium batteries. And some Hopefully not made by s- Samsung. <laughs> no, they weren't. They were made by somebody else. I actually looked into that, too. Uh, some people have theorized that this, there was a fire after takeoff and that this disabled the crew. This, however, is highly unlikely due to the fact that after the flight's transponder was turned off, the sharp left turn could only have been made by one of the pilots due to the fact that the steepness of the turn exceeded the capabilities of the autopilot. The autopilot only turns so much. Right. So Did they go in a straight line after this turn completely? It made one the big sharp turn, and then another turn at Penang, and then another sharp turn out over the Indian Ocean. Yeah, so like if it disabled it, everyone the pilots that wouldn't do that it would just stay flying straight yeah and it wouldn't have turned unless like you can pre-program it to fly like a certain path but it only does gentle turns it's not going to do a sharp bank turn that's why you need those pilots baby exactly that's why they can't play bubble witch oh my gosh (laughs) i want to do a counter like (laughs) there should be a counter for every interruption that we get there should be You guys give me five bucks every time after you make an interruption. I'll be kind of like 60 bucks richer. It's about to get real quiet. <laughs> so some have suggested that the sharp turn was due to a fire that knocked out the transponder and communication system. But this still doesn't entirely make sense because to attempt to land the plane at there's no there was no attempt to land the plane, you know, any you know, other runway. The plane flew over Malaysia and Thailand and didn't try and find a safe place to land. And that's procedure. Like, even if there is a fire, you know, try and find a safe place to, you know, it yeah, clearly even if it wasn't be, even if it needs to be a mechanical problem because right. if it was, and, they wouldn't have made it six hours further. You know right. what I mean? Exactly. And the plane just continued on for flying six more hours. So, another theory is that the plane experienced a loss of cabin pressure, which incapacitated the crew and passengers. However, this is also highly unlikely because should the cabin depressurize, the pilots and passengers receive oxygen, you know, via the emergency oxygen supply. You Except know, for like the, the two guys that down. jumped what, out the door. <laughs> what if the pilot went to go put the mask over the co-pilot first instead of taking care of himself first, as is instructed to everyone who ever flies? <laughs> Actually, you have 18 seconds to put on your own mask. 
yeah, before you start suffering right? hypoxia. So pilots are trained hypoxia, for like this. You know what the fuck that is? It's uh, low oxygen count in your blood. You start hallucinating. You can die at, at that height. Thirty five thousand feet. It can kill you within a few minutes because the air is so thin. And you can also like your body will eventually freeze because it's so cold too. Good to know. Yeah. So you don't want to. I wonder why people are fair, uh, scared of flying. I'm I'm still not scared of flying. <clears throat> so pilots are trained for this and if it had occurred they would have simply put on their oxygen mask and flown the plane to a lower altitude where the air is more breathable and then found a safe place to land also pilots have a lot more air than the passengers do because they're the ones flying the plane so they have more air dedicated to them so that if it does happen they have enough air to get the plane to a safe altitude so that that way everyone else can you know well that's reasonable live. i'm okay with that I'm completely okay with that. Yeah, so am I. Uh, so another suggested theory is that the aircraft was taken over by hackers by taking control of the aircraft's flight management system. But this system isn't like a standard computer connected to the internet. The flight management system is safeguarded and programmed differently. So you can't like log, get onto your, you know, your PC or your Mac and hack into an aircraft. And actually, it's kind of silly because the Malaysian Prime Minister, Matahir Mohammed, said in 2014, clearly Boeing and certain agencies have the capacity to take over uninterruptible control of commercial airliners, of which MH370 Boeing 777 is, is that, one. Is that true? It is true. Boeing has access to it, but that doesn't make sense to me. Why would Boeing want to crash one of their own craft? They lose money every time one of their aircrafts crash. When the two Boeing uh, 737 Maxes crashed within five months of each other last year, they grounded their whole fleet of the 737 Maxes, and then all the deliveries now have been suspended, and the production of the Max has been halted. They've been working on that plane for a while. They've lost millions. Oh, I'm sure, but like that. Uh, what I'm saying is, like, if they can do it, that means it's possible. So then, why? What makes it's, this thing it's that hackers technically couldn't do it? possible? But hackers don't have access to the programming. It's such a closely guarded secret. Literally, only Boeing really has access to it. Unless have, you seen the have you seen the movie Hackers? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Angelina Jolie, topless. Go watch it. <laughs> I actually have seen it. I saw that years ago. Okay. So basically, <laughs> it's not something that's really within the scope of reality. So now we get into some of the crazier. I'm not ready to, to sign it off as not one. If I'm if I had to pick at the end, I'm not. I'm not ready to, to completely dismiss that one That's yet. That's fine. So a story circulated on Reddit that MH370 had sufficient fuel to be hijacked to North Korea, as uh, was done uh. in 1969 with a Korean Airlines YS11. In late July, in July 2015, in an article about MH370 called Conspiracy Theories. The Independent briefly mentioned that it had received an email claiming, excuse me, the U.S. had authorized the plane to be shot down because it was allegedly carrying a nuclear warhead to North Korea. Though the Independent immediately added the joke, or it could still be aliens. There we go. Yeah. Thank God. I was like, man, oh, Reddit. You can see all kinds of shit on Reddit. Exactly. So. Another, yes, and then the theories get crazier from there. Uh, there's people that said the plane was taken by aliens. Some people said an actual tip was called in to the, like, the investigators and said, uh, I believe the pilot flew the plane to the moon. But they found pieces of the plane now, right? Yeah, pieces of the plane were found in the Indian Ocean. So, so every, the aliens left some pieces behind so we'd be confused. Kind of yeah. like God left the dinosaurs. I get it. <clears throat> yeah, you know, or you know, took it to the moon. Maybe the moon Nazis are there or whatever. I don't know. Fair, fair. 
Also so, a possibility. One theory that has actually gained traction with the investigators of the ASTB, that's the Australian Transportation Safety Board. Actually, before I get into this, the ATSB, like in America, it's called the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board. Australia's, the counterpart in Australia is the Australian Transportation Safety Board. And since it crashed off the coast of Australia, it fell within Australia's jurisdiction. So the ATSB uh, has been investigating it because it's in their jurisdiction. <clears throat> so, uh, this theory that has gained traction with the investigators of the ASTB is known as the Ryuku theory. Investigators from Malaysia and Australia have discovered that the Ryuku mouse, which is a species of rodent in the family Muridae, I'm really bad at these scientific words, so bear with me. It is found in Cambodia, China, Indonesia, Japan, Laos, Malaysia, Taiwan, Thailand, and Vietnam. This mouse, when it is an adult, is very small and weighs about 0.4 of an ounce, so less than an ounce. Whoa. It's really, really small. These mice have been discovered in the trucks and storage areas where the food for long international flights are kept. You know how they have the trucks that bring the food and the meals to the passengers. So Australian researcher Dr. Callum Bindi has been closely working with the ATSB. Dr. Bindi discovered that the Ryuku mouse much like most mice, are attracted to sweet and fatty foods such as peanut butter or soft cheeses. The snacks and meals that are for passengers attract these mice to sneak into the food carts, and then those carts are taken aboard aircraft for long-haul flights. Once on board the aircraft, the mice then squeeze into the smaller areas of the aircraft where the wires for the aircraft systems are installed. Dr. Bindi said in an interview, laboratory tests have discovered that the type of thermoplastic that is used to insulate the wires on board of the Boeing 777 emits an odor that the mice can easily mistake for a sweet or fatty food. They then begin to chew on the wires leading to that system being disabled. Dr. Bindi and the ATSB invest oh sorry dr bindi and atsb investigator archer dorrington have you ever heard a more australian name than archer yeah, no dorrington shit. oh wow i wonder how this <laughs> dude got this mouse job That's so, so obscure yeah so they have both concluded that in the early morning hours of march 8th 2014 mice were in the food carts that were taken aboard of flight 370 and subsequently found their way to the wires of the transponder system and then they began chewing on the wires of the cabin pressurization system and autopilot leading to the cabin pressurization system to short out and depressurize the cabin, knocking out everyone on board. They believe that enough of the wires in the autopilot system had been chewed through to cause the system to exceed its limitations, causing the aircraft to go into a sharp left turn and then fly back over Malaysia. They also surmise that the autopilot system was in control during the other turns of the rest of the flight, causing the aircraft to fly in fly until it exhausted its fuel supply and then crashed into the indian ocean that sounds like the phoniest of baloney uh, how the hell what are these mice like three musketeers like i'll take this system out you take the other one <laughs> come on i bet you they were they were in a, a like a boardroom like what's the craziest shit we could come up with yeah oh, it's just a mouse trying to get some cheese it's yeah. bullshit north Koreans will believe it though they got them unicorn so yeah fair yeah. You, you don't you, believe that? No, not at all. Because it's like, oh, it, it, they chewed through enough wires to, to knock everybody else out, but <coughs> not enough wires to where the, like, the autopilot was kicking in, kicking out. Like, eh. Yeah. Stuff, you don't believe stuff. that either, do you, Juan? Uh, no, because it's like they did it in that order. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like, come on. 
Plus, they have the actual name of the mouse. I'm like, uh, yeah. Well, that's and good. they're Australian, so let's be serious. That's good. You don't believe it because I made it up. Oh, you <laughs> son of a bitch! <laughs> I was like, this is the most crazy, ludicrous shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was like blown. I was disappointed in Australia. Well, you know what? You, I, you had me lose faith in every Australia. Time there's some weird investigation. They bring some scientists up who's got a job just as fucking weird as that. And you're like, "Yep." They're like, "Well, we happen to have this expert." And you're like, "Who the f- who who pays these people, right?" So you 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 believe it? Yeah. I mean, that's the way the media works, man. Yeah, that's true. It's crazy. Yeah, that, I, I, I co-signed that. We're like half a like, step from North Korea, that's man. What, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, all right, somebody was like, so much of like, fuck everyone. We're not going to tell them anything. We'll just make up the most ridiculous shit <laughs> and try to like uh, make it sound scientific. And they're like, all right. Yeah. Instead, I wanted to see if I could get someone someone out there to believe uh, my ridiculous mouse story. So, Is that the name of a real mouse? Yeah, it's, it's the name of real mouse. And I actually went to an Australian name generator to get the names of those doctors <laughs> to make it sound real. <laughs> Trust me, when I write a, a BS story to trick people, I go all in. Hey, I appreciate the research. Mm-hmm. It really gotta get, you gotta get up pretty early in the morning. Remember, I can't commit that crime. <laughs> yeah. There's too many weird experts out there. I'm gonna miss somebody. <laughs> I've, tricked, I've tricked you once, Juan. I'm gonna trick you again someday. You gotta get up pretty early in the morning to get one over on Adam J. Radliff. I own many fedoras. <laughs> so now back to the real story. Okay, so since the aircraft and black box have never been found, there is no concrete explanation as to why Flight 370 disappeared and then crashed. From the evidence that has been gathered from the SATCOM system, the radar systems, and the debris that was found in in Africa, crash investigator Larry Vance believes that the aircraft was hijacked by Captain Zahir Ahmad Shah. His reasoning for believing this is the findings of the right flapper right and flap and the turn. I'll go through this here. In the, his experience, the damage to the flapper that was discovered in Africa and flap could only have come from a controlled ditching into water. So we're going to go through his theory here. The theory suggests that once Flight 370 reached the flight level 350, you know, 35,000 feet, the normal procedure is for the pilot to take off their safety belts and then put the aircraft on autopilot and then they can relax. For most of the rest of the flight, the aircraft flies itself and the pilots simply manage the systems and communicate with air traffic control via the radio. So they don't have very much to do. The plane's basically flying itself. Sounds like a lot of math. Right. So it is possible <laughs> that once the autopilot was turned on, officer, uh, the first officer, the co-pilot, Farik Abdul Hamid, went out to use the restroom or maybe to get a drink or a snack from the cabin crew, leaving Captain Zaire alone in the cockpit, and he could have easily locked the door, keeping everyone else out of the cockpit. Scary. Right. Then he could have depressurized the cabin, causing everyone to pass out and eventually freezing to death. Wait, there's a switch in the cockpit where you can say, I'm killing everyone. Yep. Good to know. Yep. Yeah. So this would leave him alone to make and actually, you know, this would leave him alone to make the sharp left turn and then head back through Thai and Malaysian airspace where he would kind of run that gauntlet and nobody kind of basically sneak through there without raising any suspicion. One of the experts investigating the crash, Simon Hardy, is also a 777 pilot, 
And he said when he analyzed the flight path of Flight 370, he kept wondering why Zahir would turn the plane at Penang. He said he wondered this for a few months until one day while he was in the flight simulator, he realized that the turn was a slow, shallow turn, which perhaps gave Zahir a chance to look, have one last look at his hometown. Perhaps he was having an emotional moment saying goodbye. He also said if someone had asked him to make a 777 disappear, he would have done the exact same things. He said the way that the flight, he said, if you wanted to make a plane like that disappear from everything, he's like, that's the perfect way to do it. <clears throat> so at this point, he could have programmed the autopilot to continue on out into the southern Indian Ocean. Investigator Larry Allen also said that if you wanted to crash an aircraft in a place where it would most likely to be never be discovered, it is the southern Indian Ocean. It's very remote. There's, you know, just it's hard to get to. If you wanted to make it disappear, that's the perfect place to do it. An investigator- if you ever want to get rid of your ex-wife, well, I hope you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Juan's like, hey, he's, he's tuned out. We're going well, to Australia. He's uh, clearly watching me, something on TV. Right great. <laughs> <laughs> so, an investigation by the Royal Malaysian Police was conducted into both pilots. The investigation discovered that neither had financial trouble, any struggles with mental illness, and neither pilot had shown any lifestyle changes. But in 2016, documents were leaked to the media from the Royal Malaysian Police's investigation showing that the police had discovered data on Captain Zaire's computer, personal computer at home, showing a similar flight plan he had flown on his flight simulator at home. What? Yep. This made some people believe that he had been planning this for quite some time. But others said that the leaked data wasn't accurate, but the Malaysian government then confirmed that the data showed a similar flight path. The data is still disputed because the data was from files that were deleted from the hard drive, but they were recoverable by investigators. Exactly what you would do if you were going to try to get away with it. You delete exactly. that shit. Exactly. But, you know, they, with the, these forensic you know, computer guys, they can go into your hard drive and pull stuff out. So that's what Good they did. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Actually, the FBI did that, too. They called them the FBI, and the FBI went and helped them do that. But the You're crazy welcome, thing Malaysia. is, yeah. So the crazy thing is, is that for like a year or so, they had that information, but the Malaysian police didn't want to release it. They tried to hide it. Why? Do you think there's be like lawsuits or something? Possibly. Oh, actually, okay. This I was great know, for their tourism. No, no, wait, wait a minute. Okay, I I don't know if it is currently or at that time, but I know at one point in time, Malaysian Airlines has been or is currently owned by the government. Uh-huh. So if it was, I'm not sure if it is now or if it was then, but at some point in time, it is owned by the government. So that would give them motivation to want and cover up if, you know, this is the true story. Right. They don't the lawsuit people. would go to them. It right. would go to a private company. Right. So why would Zaire commit mass murder and then suicide? Some say he was having marital problems, like other people in his life, but his family denies that. So... You don't really know. He could be in his family now that after he's disappeared, they just don't want to admit it, especially his wife. Can we just tie everyone up to a lie detector test for this shit? But lie detectors aren't really that, uh, like, that solid of a method of detecting things. Yeah, but they can get people who, like, aren't savy and, like, they're just... That's, yeah. Because, I mean, there are ways to to cheat it. Or if you're a sociopath, you can cheat it pretty easily. But, like, the average everyday person... (laughs) I've been hooked up to one. I couldn't fool it at all. No, seriously, I tried, dude. I, I've 
I was like, whatever. And I felt like I was, they weren't even asking hard questions. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't imagine mm-hmm. like being guilty of something like murder and have them ask me questions and hook me up to that. I would have bombed that thing so hardcore. You know what <laughs> I mean? What like, they say I like, it's not accurate, but I mean, for someone like me, it sure would have got me. I mean, I maybe some people can just like straight up lie, like through their old self, but yeah. I, How is it not billions of dollars of research going into like the perfect lie detector? I don't know. I'm sure somebody out there is working on it. I'm sure there's a German guy somewhere that's trying to somebody who's trying to figure women out. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry, bitches. (laughs) Okay, so some say that Zahair did this for political reasons. You know, I love you. Zahair was a strong (laughs) supporter of politician Anwar Ibrahim. He was a politician who was sentenced to five years in prison just a few hours before Flight 370 was scheduled to depart. So this politician, Anwar Ibrahim, was like an opponent of the guy who was in power at the time. And he Mm -hmm. was sent to prison for five years for like under a charge of sodomy. So that's illegal over there? uh, Yeah. Goddamn shame. Yep. So... uh, I mean, it's going to prison. That seems like one of those things that are trumped up to get rid of a a politician you don't like. I find this theory particularly hard to swallow at least personally i don't know he's He's not swallowing it it's not swallowing it's sodomy yeah a a politician you support goes to jail so you go kill yourself and over 200 other people like why would you do that and only only like i mean i'm not saying it's beyond the realm of possibility but like for like a logical clear thinking person like a pilot why would you do that like it seems a bit extreme if he's having marital problems and he's got this flight simulator thing. Mm-hmm. I would say I want to know when the flight simulator thing happened as compared to when this guy started getting in trouble. Because uh-huh. like they say he got put in prison five hours before. Yeah, a few that, hours that, before. Yeah, well, but if he's been like, if this is like an ongoing investigation right. for like several years or months, right. maybe that's when he's like, hey, man, if he goes to prison for this shit, I'm taking some motherfuckers down with me. And then like he does a little testing and then he's like, all right, just they better not do it. And then they do it like, all right, fuck it. I'm out of here. So how close, like how into this guy was he like a fanatic to this it, guy? It doesn't say, it just said he was a supporter. So like, I mean, I only, at least in my personal opinion, you only do well, that. If there if, was sodomy, he might've been more than a supporter. Good point. <laughs> I'm but just saying. This- what, yeah, what if he was the person? <laughs> I don't know. Did we just get on? Did we just crack the code? I think we might have cracked that bitch right open. (laughs) So, at least from my personal opinion, unless you know the guy personally, you only do it, you know, you only do that if you're, like, either way invested in politics, like, overly invested in politics, or if you have an extremely unhealthy attachment to it, coupled with some sort of mild mental illness, and Zaire showed no signs of mental illness or or changes in, like, personal behavior. Or he fucked him once and rejected him. Oh my goodness. So all of the evidence, which immediately... Uh, Maybe he was a closeted gay man. Could be. And he was like, right, and are we really like- going to send people to prison for sodomy? <laughs> Actually, I guess sodomy doesn't have to be with another guy. It could have been with a girl. Right. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Just, just a theory. So all of this evidence... Explains which the family of uh, the marital problems. Right. Too. All of this evidence, which admittedly isn't as much as investigators would like to have, leads them to believe that Captain Zaire hijacked the aircraft killed all the passengers, flew it into the Indian Ocean where it ran out of fuel, and then he performed a controlled ditching leading to the flap and flapperon being damaged and broken off in the way that they were discovered. Larry Allen believes that the fuselage is still intact and the white ring is probably broken off 
along with the two engines, but the left wing is still attached. You know this Larry Allen guy knows his stuff. He, when he hasn't found it, and he Jesus. says, the right wing's probably torn off, and the engines are off, but the left wing's still attached. Like, this dude has investigated a lot of crashes, if he can right. figure that out without seeing it. And I bet you he's right. I've watched several interviews with this guy. This guy knows his stuff. Like, every question people have asked him, he has a clear and concise and logical answer to everything. And people that, I'm like, how could you argue with this guy? This guy is obviously the expert. Experts have been wrong before. Though. True, but like I would say, he is the most logical without having the actual facts. I would say his well, theory that computer makes the most sense. information. So it, then it was a hijacking suicide, <laughs> but it was so the pilot, not like the terrorist way hijacking. The, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, hi, yeah. but um, so the d- control ditch could not be auto programmed, right? So that had somebody so had to do that maneuver. There's, there's two ways. How clear is this? There's this evidence. There's two ways. So um, from the flapper on. Yeah, so there's two. Who would have thought Adel could have brought down a whole flight, man? Oh my gosh. A lot of people. (laughs) It must have been really good, bro. Yeah. (laughs) So the evidence, you know, the evidence of the parts of the aircraft that were found, because these serial numbers linked this, it wasn't like just from some plane. This came off that particular plane. Mm -hmm. And then those, the damage was shown, the damage that is shown was like damage from like the plane landing on water. Now, if the plane had ran out of fuel at, you know, like say, you know, 30,000 feet or whatever, it and it wasn't controlled, it would have basically nosedive into the ground at supersonic speeds. And then that flapper on, on impact, because it was traveling at such a high velocity, would have exploded and would have never been found. It would have just been completely destroyed and disintegrated by, by the impact. So they know for sure it went from 30,000 feet to zero feet? Well, no, they're ju- I'm just saying that th- there's two logical courses of action. If the plane was flown to, you know, where it ran out of fuel and the pilot did nothing, the pilot was dead or incapacitated, no one was in control, the autopilot just flew to it, ran out, it would have eventually like nosedived and crashed and be in like tons of different pieces. But if it was controlled by a person like controlled ditched into the water mm-hmm. it would be mostly intact and then that piece of the flapperon would have shown the damage that the flapperon actually shows and so that investigator larry allen said that if it had crashed and nobody was in control of the plane it would be in thousands of tiny pieces right but Plus, my there's no way is, there's no way the guy could have ditched because in the middle of nowhere right. there's nowhere for him to like have gotten it low to the ground ditched and then it like just but why would these systems who are so advanced they do most of the work anyway at flying the plane just have like no brains when it comes to landing the sucker like this because thing, we should know when it's running out of gas and like at least attempt some kind of a landing you know right. what i mean like you think it would auto point. like float down a <laughs> fest or something i mean it just yeah. what would larry say about it. that <laughs> what would old larry say about that yeah it's not a robot plane yet but it might be after this. I think we may change aviation forever. Hopefully. I think we might. I trust so, robots way more than I trust people. <laughs> if the plane was ditched on water, the aircraft would have floated for about five to ten minutes before sinking tail first. If the aircraft had impacted the water at high speed, the flapperon would have just disintegrated on impact. So the evidence really strongly suggests a controlled ditching. There is no answer as to why Zaher would want to commit suicide and kill 200 you know, other people in such a way. No suicide not, suicide note was ever discovered. Larry Allen believes that everything that Zaire did was intentional and designed to make the aircraft and all on board disappear. That part I can understand. 
actually, because I struggled with depression, you know, before in my life. And I remember feeling so bad about myself that I wanted to just disappear and never be found. But I never wanted to kill hundreds of people in the process, though. Like, if you're depressed or if you're struggling from mental illness, sometimes you just want to disappear because you feel so bad. So, like, that part I can understand. I just don't understand, like, why would you want to take 200-some people with you? Well, maybe that supports, like, the politic- political guy thing because he just snapped. Yeah. that's like, it, that's, I mean, this world is a piece of shit. That's like all the school shooters. Like, why wouldn't they just kill themselves if they're so miserable? They're like, I want to inflict as much damage on the world. Uh, as I can. Right. And so the crazy thing is, is if you believe the evidence that was found on his computer, he was planning this for over a month. I think that's is, probably the case. Which I tend to believe it that tends, too. It tends to look that way. I mean, that's a really big piece to be not clarified. Yeah. I mean, they should be yeah. working on that like they worked on looking for the motherfucker. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because that, if they could prove that data really was hard from him, that's, you know, that's pretty much a wrap on that. Yeah. Is there l- any any legitimate reason for having that on your flight simulator no like like i it's have so flight simulators but yeah the thing, exactly it, it's way too specific like if that's a coincidence that's the craziest coincidence of all time yeah the, it wasn't the exact flight plan like i've seen the two flight plans overlaid each other they're very close to the same thing mm-hmm. well you it's make not identical but they're making a plan you're gonna figure exactly. exactly they're very close to the same thing and I, when i saw that i was like wait what like it was like it has to be, it yeah. absolutely has to be the case. Especially when you take into account that he could just like, then that lock the co-pilot out and yeah. just like depressurize everybody. Yeah. And also, if it wasn't like a programmed flight, like if it was something that he designed, he planned and put in the computer so he could simulate it, that's right. a wrap. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Why it's like the smoking gun, literally. Yeah. Unless somebody said that that was on his hard drive. When it wasn't actually there. And that's where I think that's the problem. Like they, they're saying like some sources say it's not, but like, yeah. how can they confirm it? That's, there's gotta be some way to there's, confirm. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that would be a way if that wasn't the case, like if, for example, with the, the Ukrainian thing, yeah. like think if they had enough time where nobody knew what it was, but it actually was something terrible. Like they shot it down by mistake. Yeah. You could make up this whole long story, but now wait, that's not, that doesn't even make sense. Cause all the, the pings from different places, like, so they definitely went that route. Yeah. So, I mean, he was definitely going to try to kill some people. <laughs> yeah, he was. Or kill himself. So, personally, I believe that Captain Zaire killed everybody on board by depressurizing the cabin, and then, which at least was a small mercy. They didn't spend six hours of their life panicking, wondering why they were off course and all that. If, if that happened, you know, at least that was a mercy that they just died, but they basically went to sleep, you know, oxygen deprivation. And then he flew out alone over the Indian Ocean where he wanted to make the plane and everyone disappear because he wanted to hurt people. I don't know why I don't know why he didn't leave a note, but you know, some people are really disturbed. I also don't understand, really, this is one thing. I really don't understand the thought process of suicide by drowning. Because if he controlled ditched that plane, he drowned. Who in their right mind commits suicide by drowning? That is the most terrifying way to die. Jack Dawson. Ugh! I just can't. Oh, uh, he freeze. Yeah, but maybe the impact, or maybe he n- did it in time to pull his own oxygen off, knowing he'll pass out before. That I I, I don't know. Seems unlikely. It seems very. I'm unlikely. just saying, if he's went this Come far, on, Juan, let's be serious. You know, we already worked for the people <laughs> in the back. He's got yeah. 212 reasons to think it'll work. Yeah. So, so I know. personally don't believe. At least this, in my personal opinion, I don't believe that the plane will ever be found. But that's just my opinion. Technology is constantly advancing, so it's still possible that someday in the future the aircraft can be found. 
But I mean, it's been what six years now, and nobody's found it. It's and actually, right now, as currently as uh, as I'm, as currently, I know as far as I know, nobody's searching for this plane. Why would they? Exactly. So, as much as I would like to see the families and the victims of this this disaster finally receive closure and to get some concrete answers, it is highly unlikely that the plane will be found. So, yeah, didn't you say it was like ninety three thousand? feet below the surface 9300 feet so oh. almost two miles below. yeah what am i talking about 9300 that's some feet. of the but deepest so, like, parts of the ocean then uh yeah it's it's deep yeah it's pretty deep <laughs> so unless the, there's oil in that area it's never getting found <laughs> exactly so the search for flight 370 is the most expensive in aviation history and some believe that the malaysian government is interested in finding the aircraft because of the cost Others also believe that they don't want to find it because it could implicate one of their pilots. Interestingly, the flaperon, when it was discovered, was taken to France and Malaysia has never asked and they've never received it. And they don't seem to be interested in getting it either. The right wing flap that was found from the aircraft finally made it to the ATSB in Australia one year after it was found. The Malaysian government didn't receive it or request to receive it and they don't seem, they seem content to just let it stay in Africa. So they don't seem to want to investigate this either. And what good could possibly come from their end? Right. So this disaster has stayed in the minds of many people because it hasn't produced any real answers as to why. Despite this disaster and other disasters in recent aviation history, flying is still the safest way to travel. I mean, look at Juan. He's allowed to drive. So if you live in Michigan, you take your life into your hands each time you get into the car. So next time you get on an airplane, remember that if you made it to the airport without crashing... You'll be fine. A parting shot on Juan. Jeez. Well, I do got to make that accident report tomorrow. <laughs> a little, dri- little drive-by there at the end. You know what? So pilots, one thing I just thought of, so pilots, they know who's on the plane, right? They have like a manifest? Yeah, they have a manifest. What if somebody involved in this trial, or, or anything really, yeah. like he hated this person that was on the plane, and he's like, this guy's never, I'm, I'm going to kill this person who's on the plane. You never know. It's you positive. say there's people from what countries are on there? Uh, United States. It was like China, Vietnam, a lot like local countries, and then a couple of European countries, United States and Australia. I'd be interesting to see if there's anyone who was on the plane has that has any ties to either him or that politician. I'm not sure. Prison. It was Australia, Canada, France, India, Indonesia, Iran. Malaysia, yeah, that was Netherlands, my biggest question: was who exactly was on that plane? Because there's got to be a link <laughs> somewhere. It's seems like or it would he be. just. Or he just wanted, or he was mad at his wife, or mad at life, or really good at hiding, you know, depression, or you know, really good at hiding a mental illness and something that it just seems him. so calculated, though. If you're yeah. mentally, if you're mentally ill and depressed, yeah, you don't follow through with shit. You can't even get out of bed. You're not gonna follow through that fucking plan. That's true, but and that's and that's like an extremely planned. And he's gonna out like and fake being thing. normal, and then get all the way to the point where he's, you know piloting the plane and then get on normal when you're down dude you can't do that yeah like i said there's no matter what theory you go to it's so weird it's it's it doesn't like not everything sounds like okay this is a concrete thing the last theory i gave i think is the most likely one but i still don't i still can't think of any reason why the captain would want to do that like if he was like a million dollars in debt or you know if his wife had caught him you know with somebody else get a life insurance policy on his wife a couple months earlier that's my question no they would have they would have was there any financial incentive for him to have done exactly There was none. They Without looked into being that. At fault. Uh, they looked into that, and there was no financial incentive. 
He was not in financial trouble. Same with the co-pilot. Like the co-pilot was like squeakier clean than him. The co-pilot had like just gotten into a new relationship they like. The co-pilot was just about to pass his test and become like certified on a triple seven. So the co-pilot had even less like incentive to want to do this. Plus he didn't have a simulator in his house that showed this plot. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Is like, so clearly this guy thought this out. But why? Yeah, that's the thing. There's no real, like, nothing Maybe just that to I can see if it could be done. But that's even a stretch, too. Like, oh, just to see if it could be done. But, like, that's pretty extreme. Everyone's to trying to be that next famous yep. killer, though, oh. man, for real. I have a theory that I just thought of. You ever see that movie, Life of David Gale? No, I've never seen it. Well, basically, it, uh, it's got Kevin Spacey, mm-hmm. uh, RIP to him, too. Well, no, fuck him. But, uh, <laughs> Geyser! <laughs> But uh, <laughs> basically, this guy does this really elaborate. Well, spoiler alert! But this guy does this really elaborate uh, suicide, but he makes it look like a murder. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. Like, he has somebody commit suicide, but then make it look like it was him that did it because uh-huh. he's super anti death penalty. Yeah, and then they they go to a trial. They basically convict him, then they kill him, and as soon as they kill him, he puts it out there that this was clearly. He had nothing to do with it. It was fake. It was a suicide from the beginning. Yeah. And it's like, it put a huge spotlight on how quickly we, we put people through death row and it fucked everything up. So maybe this guy was like, Malaysia is fucking wilding out and nobody ever talks about Malaysia. People can't even point it out on a map. This guy's going to prison for this thing. I got to get a big old spotlight <laughs> to where everyone's a huge mystery that lasts on for years and people will diff, dig super into Malaysia, the government of Malaysia, all this stuff. Or maybe they'll dig so be deep Could be. that they'll legalize sodomy. Solve the whole problem. <laughs> yeah, is it still illegal there? I don't know. I didn't look into that. I'm just another theory of mine. Juan, can you get this guy to stop doing such shoddy research here? <laughs> <laughs> he looked into the fucking flapperon and the geosynchronicity, but he didn't look into the sodomy laws. That's I'd love to see your girlfriend look at your, your search history. It's like <laughs> Malaysian sodomy laws. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's not like us. But my wife would be like, yeah. did they check the butt lots? I'd be like, that's what I asked them, Jess. <laughs> did they check the butt? So like for a typical plane that does have this controlled ditch, if you will. Yeah. Is it like how long? Because the, the earth will tear anything down. Right. Like if, if we're gone like a hundred years, like uh-huh. all of Houston would be like demolished, uh-huh. which I find hard to believe, but I guess that's what they say. So how long could a plane's, stay intact at the bottom of the ocean? And would it go to the bottom of the ocean? Well, a plane would eventually go to the bottom of the ocean. And if you stop and think about this, think about the Titanic and think about like other ships that have sunk. Right. They found ships that have sunk 100, 200 are years ago. Are planes as sturdy as ships, though? Planes are made out of aluminum. They don't rust. But aren't they, don't they break apart easier than they, steel? They're, they're thinner. But the thing is, is like, okay, so if the plane controlled ditched, the plane could, like, the look at the miracle on the Hudson. He landed on water, and the plane was all in one piece. The engines were taken off, but that's the only part that broke off. So if he landed the plane in a similar fashion, you know, most of the plane was still intact. So it mm-hmm. would have sunk mostly intact. Maybe the other wing would have broken off. Maybe one or two of the wings would have broken off. But most of the fuselage would have been intact. So therefore, they if they ever found it, the they could send divers in there to like investigate take pictures, video, find the black box and figure out what happened. Have they ever done this before? Have they ever found like yeah. a, a plane after several years? Yeah. 
There's other, well, actually not after several years, but there have been other planes that have crashed into the ocean and then they've gone down and they found them. It's just, this is one of the few planes that they have not been able to locate. And I, it's I, just because it's such a remote place. So they didn't turn, he didn't turn off the black box. He just turned off the transponder. Right. Well, you can't shut off the black box and you can't disable those. How about we make transponders box. where you can't shut them off? Actually, I did look into that. And after this plane disappeared and after this incident, a lot of people started lobbying to have transponders be automatic, just automatically always be on and the pilot un- not be able to disable them. Why but would you ever? Well, yeah. That never came through. I was like, what? that seems kind of silly to me. Like that should. That was legislation that turned down. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Why? Well, how are countries going to kill other people's stuff if they can't? You know, it <laughs> that, seems really. That's the one thing. Yeah. That's the one thing that makes perfect sense. Because like you said earlier, like they knew something ahead of time, but they didn't want to tell people because they didn't want to tell people they could they have the technology to know these things. Yeah. I think that makes perfect sense. And I think that's probably a big part of it. Yeah, it's probably. So it's like, like, yeah, but if they leave them all on, then nobody has to know. Right. Really? Right. What's that? Well, if they just leave them on all the time, nobody's going to question where that information came from. I mean, if they want to hide it, they can just say anything. They can control anything. Yeah. But I'm saying, what's the, what's the, the angle or the advantage of, of, allowing people to turn it off none I that i well, can see unless you're trying to hide shit exactly so, uh, pilots out there if you have an opinion on that please send it into us you know facebook.com slash no country podcast no country podcast at gmail.com just you know hot take there for you pilots out there yeah and i want to hear from paul on that one yeah i'm sure he's got an answer but no that is that is a valid point because i thought that myself i was like why not just have it so they can't shut it off i mean seriously yeah makes a lot of sense right there so all I know is if uh, you're hanging out in Malaysia and there's somebody going to prison <laughs> or if you're in, what is it, uh, Ukraine Yeah, and somebody just uh, bombed your, your, your top military leader, do not get on a plane. Yeah. There's kind interesting of. similarities there. Yeah. Interesting. And actually, speaking of the whole like, you know, did the pilot lock out the co-pilot thing Mm -hmm. that actually happened a few years before that. Uh, but it was a different situation. There was a pilot for an Ethiopian airlines flight. And after the co-pilot went out or I should say after the captain went out, the co-pilot locked the cabin out and then he flew the plane to like Europe. I think it was Switzerland. And then he asked for asylum because he wanted to leave. So the pilot hijacked the plane. He just didn't kill anybody. He wanted like asylum. You can do that. Did that work? He got asylum and doing that crazy shit? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure he had brought some information. Or he something. had something. Yeah, he had something to sure. give him. Cause, yeah. But yeah, like, obviously, like, you know, I guess if you're a pilot, you better be keeping your eye on your, uh, your co-pilot there, whoever he is. Well, I appreciate all I'm, your, I'm uh, pissing in buckets. And <laughs> if I'm a co-pilot, I'm going to have a lot of piss jugs in the cockpit because I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that's uh, you know the story of Malaysian Flight 370, and you know make sure you a uh, you know don't let mice on airplanes ever. No, never. Yeah, thanks for well, doing that, that deep research story. Man. <laughs> I knew I was like this is the I, I wasn't thinking it was you. I was like this guy, this this Australian dude is so full of shit. <laughs> Drinking way too much Fosters. Mm. That's the extent of my Australian knowledge. <laughs> That's the extent. Well, so, actually, due to Jewish geosynchronicity, their toilets go backwards. That's actually due to the rotation of the Earth. Fuck you, Mark. 
<laughs> yep. Yeah. If you want, yeah, I am uh, just an encyclopedia of just useless facts. So what? So you're in the flight. That's what got you on this topic. I love I love airplanes and flying. So that this has actually been on my mind for probably like a month and a half. And so I started working on this story probably like three four weeks ago. And I've just kind of slowly been like researching it, thinking like, oh, maybe I'll do this. And then like other things would come up like Robin Williams or other things. And finally, I was like, OK, it's time to do this one. I really liked it. It was good. Yeah. So you think this guy took it over and then. Yeah. For, for whatever reason, like, I mean, I can't think of it. I mean, at least in, to me, I can't think of any possible reason why you would ever want to do I that. I felt really safe but- on flights. And now I realize I'm only as safe as the crazy white guy flying the plane if it's domestic <laughs> here. Are there, but see, are, the thing are is, are there any other angles? Is there like a religious angle? I mean, is there a country angle? Possibly, but see, here's the thing about here's the thing about pilots. Pilots are paid very well. Pilots are very well compensated for their time. They have great benefits. So also, pilots have to go undergo psychological evaluations. I know because I currently have my Class A pilots uh, medical. I went to go do it. If you're on certain medications, you can't be a pilot. If you take certain antidepressants, you can't be a pilot. If you can take any antipsychotics, you can't be a pilot. They also test your pee for those things. So they're very, very controlled and they really do try and screen this stuff out. Like if, even if some people have like certain like mental history, you mm-hmm. can't be a pilot. So oh, I was safe. I was just like, I won't take the meds. And now you tell me if I'm <laughs> diagnosed. Well, shit. Right. Exactly. Because it's, <laughs> you're, you're responsible for a lot of people. And so like they do the, you know, these companies really and do a lot their, of money. They, they've invested a lot of money and they're also not only in the aircraft, but they're, they have a lot of money invested in this. So they do their best to make sure that they compensate these pilots and take care of them so that they stay with it. Like I, I've met several pilots over the years, commercial pilots. They, they never like, oh yeah, I started this job and I quit after two years because I hated it. A lot of them like, yeah, it's kind of boring sometimes, but you know what? I get paid great and I get a ton of days off. I know a pilot here in Houston. He works for Southwest. He said Southwest is the second best airline to work for in the United States and he works one to two days a month. But that's my Dad, guy though. He's going to be rested. He's going to be ready to go. Dad, you, <laughs> Dad, you and I need to talk because you fucked me when you told me about <laughs> This math being a big issue. My, now, my ex-brother-in-law he had to work. is a pilot. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, dude, he could have retired a long time ago. Bro, yeah. he's got so much money. Oh yeah. He so. um this this pilot that I know, he like he had to work his way to get to the position. Like it took him like 10 years to get to where he is now, and he just made captain with the last couple of years. But he's he always you know, the airlines where he worked at always took care of him, and he got a job at Southwest, which was somewhere he really wanted to work for. And like, he's like, I was like, so how's work? Last time I saw him. And he's like, hey, man, he's like, I work as little as possible. Actually, he's part of like a program with pilots where like he's not even on the schedule. He's a standby pilot. That's called being fired. So he's. Like, on, I'm not even on the schedule. It's he's. Like, he's. They asked you to They pay him to basically be on call certain amount of times a month. And then he only flies about, he said, you know, one trip a month. So like what like how pissed are you going to be if like a year or two down the road you like you go big into this pilot thing and then you're, you're like in the final interview and they're like so Mark uh, we listened to this podcast <laughs> and uh, you got some weird takes on this Malaysian thing um, any in the cards for you bud. <laughs> <laughs> like this whole mouse thing is what really like you had the the craziness to come up with this mouse theory if I ever. Yeah. 
get an interview with an airline i'm taking a mouse in my pocket with me that's that also might have some bad consequences and i'll be like hey this is my little mouse zaire in memory of malaysia 537 <laughs> <Came a> <laughs> so, so would you rather know what happened in the malaysian airline or amelia Earhart? uh the malaysian airline one Really? Yeah. yeah, me too, actually. It's more recent. It's more recent more, and more people actually suffered. I mean, me, me was Plus, like, it was a male pilot. I mean, you can just... Oh, my you can gosh. It has nothing to do with that. Toss up as you... Well, I mean... Can't drive or fly. I'm, t- I'm kidding. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's actually a comic here in town that has a Malaysian Airlines joke that's fucking hilarious. I got to hear it now. Yeah, Doug Sanders. You should check him out. He's hilarious. Yeah, I'm going to have to ask him. I'm going to reach out. Hey, dude, what was your uh, Malaysian Airlines joke? I have to ask him that now. Yeah, he's, he's a funny guy. So, Juan, you ready to go through security and come down here to Houston? God, see, that's the only part I hate, man. <laughs> you know how hard it is to go through security? It's like I'm a short. You can't well, tell you where t- I'm from. <laughs> like, the name doesn't seem right. Like, I don't know. <clears throat> you get stuck, you know. And it's like the they can sense detector. that I'm nervous. I have, like, but I get zero, like, physical, threatening, menacing look from you. You seem so happy. Like, this guy's not going to take anything over oh no yeah. hell no <laughs> if anything if anything this guy's not gonna want to turn his wi-fi off that's the f- like the extent of your <laughs> yeah your flight the funniest thing is that it- a thing what the uh having like people like oh put your flo- phone in airplane mode does that really matter uh they say it does but you know you know the pilots, last several flight the last several flights i've left my phone on without thinking about it and the plane didn't oh well, i have a buddy who flies all the time and he says he always keeps it on he says yeah. it's bullshit i, th- I think but i'm like thanks for risking my life to, i was just like bullshit. what the fuck they th- here's the I thing th- it can't possibly I, I be a asked, thing i think that's I the asked, same about the gas pumps too. kiss my ass <laughs> like okay i've heard that it somehow interferes with the satellite communications and the radio frequencies when the plane's taking off and i'm like what no that's that can't be true like, otherwise, everybody on a cell phone driving by the airport, planes would be crashing all the time. But maybe, we, I bet you what it is, it's probably like the air conditioning thing here. Like, it's like, it wouldn't kill anybody, but like, oh, we don't want any inconvenience between the, the communication be between yeah. air traffic and, and the plane. Like, it's so important. We don't want any interference. It's got to be crystal clear. That and if you have your cell phone on, it's going to be a little bit downgraded. Yeah. It is satellite communication, so I guess that makes sense. It's it's I don't know. I'd like to see some facts on So it was either Samsung battery or some lithium batteries. Yeah. Suicide mission. North Korea. No- North Korea. <laughs> I still think I'm betting somebody on the plane <clears throat> had some kind of tie in with that uh president guy. Or it was just the president guy because it's like the timing of he was, and I want to know how big of a supporter he was of this guy because if he was like fanatical, yeah, and they're if, like because think how pissed off you would be if like this guy that like, was like trying to clean up your country and was doing good and then like the country's just like now yeah, fuck this guy we're, we're gonna sandbag his ass like Russia that happened oh yeah like that one that billionaire guy yep they arrested him and like. Pussy Riot came out and was like, this is yeah. a scam. Did you listen to that episode or did you mm-hmm. just know that? Yeah, we did an episode on that. Oh. <laughs> See, I know a little bit about a lot of things, but I don't have anything in detail. Hey, that's fine. That's I don't either until Mark tells me. And then Juan forgets it 24 hours later. I'm just saying politics is going to be, some people are get Except for crazy Juan, about it. Juan has remembered to you know clip his nails. Have you always edited every time I told the 
Supreme Leader to fuck off? Did, did you nope, always say that? Out? Nope. Nope. No? I let that roll. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're still alive. So fuck you again. Yeah. <laughs> this guy really hates. <laughs> he does not like North Korea. <laughs> Listen, I already got a daughter with a unicorn problem. They got like a whole country that really believe in it. Like, you know how angry that makes a dad? You know how many fucking unicorns I got up in this bitch already? Yep. It's like a daughter it's with like, a unicorn problem. It's like the problem. amount of Aquanet cans in the 80s. It's fucking everywhere. <laughs> Oh my God. I trip over and step on a unicorn at least once a fucking day, man. That sounds like an acid flashback. <laughs> I wish <Thanks>. it was. <laughs> if you were ever a rapper, that would be your name. Acid, acid flashback. flashback. Yeah. <laughs> that would explain why I don't remember any of my lyrics. <laughs> you seem like more of a flow guy. You just kind of bust a flow. Yeah. I don't know. Never done it. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> the only thing that flows is Juan's bladder. Yeah, way to fuck up the rhythm, Juan. We had a nice group. I'm Listen, kidding. man, no, two hours for my bladder is like a lifetime. Like, fuck. <laughs> I'm grinning and smiling, but it was more like trying to keep the core tight. Like, come on, you can make it. I find this ready, like, yeah, fuck. We it. ready to go see what uh, Trump had to say on the yeah. uh, the uh, on the State yeah, of the Union. State of the Union. Yep. So, everybody, thank you for joining us. And now you've probably figured out what day we're recording this. <laughs> so, feel free to edit all of that out. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, this is Mark signing off. Seahawk Predator out. Have a good one, guys. Did they check the butt loss?